Welcome on to the Backstretch. I'm News 5's Heather Williams, and I am coming to you from the backstretch of the Daytona International Speedway. Okay, not literally on the backstretch, but in the infield nonetheless. It is race weekend in Daytona, the biggest race of the year, 75th anniversary of NASCAR, 65th anniversary of Daytona, and whoo, you can just feel the excitement. It is crazy. So many people here this weekend. The big race is a sellout, huge crowd on Saturday. So looking forward to this race. We talk about Daytona. It's really interesting because I always felt like you don't really choose to win at Daytona. Daytona kind of chooses you. So I asked a bunch of the drivers during media day about this because when you think about this race, Dale Earnhardt, just as an example, was so good here but he could never win Daytona. And the moment that he finally won this race, his one and only win at the Daytona 500, as good as he was on the big tracks at the Daytona 500, that one and only win was just the right moment. So special, so magical, all the crew members coming out to congratulate him. It made it that much better than if he had won it early on in his career because he was such an accomplished driver and that was the one thing missing from his resume. When you look at Austin Dillon, Trevor Bain coming out of nowhere, Michael McDowell really just being in the right place at the right time, good plate racer, but right there at the right time, first career win after his long career to win at Daytona. You don't choose Daytona, Daytona chooses you. So I asked the drivers, is that true? I would I would agree with that to a certain extent. You know, this is a race where you can do everything perfect and still run 35th, where, you know, other racetracks you go to, if you do everything perfect, you're normally going to run towards the front, where this track, at the same time, it can kind of just, like you said, it can pick you to win that day. I mean, you cannot be the best car. You're going to be kind of even cruising around sometimes, and just the circumstances, everything kind of falls your way, and you find yourself, you know, at the front at the ends. I think that luck is less than 50% of the equation to win I think that it is an equation uh, but the other two is execution and skill set those two the execution and skill set amount for probably 70% of your result and then the other 30 is is really that luck which is not getting ca caught up in a wreck either causing one or being in the wrong place wrong time when someone else causes one so I think that it's why this race is so hard to win is because you have to have all three happen perfectly on the same day and it's very very hard here all right so coming up on the pod today here's what we're going to do we're going to talk to the pole sitter alex bowman i talked to him about his season and kind of the excitement going into the daytona 500 and why he and hendrick motorsports are so good here and i also talked to mike joy of nascar on fox about a wide range of topics about the season about this race um things to watch so that should be really fun as well Ready? Let's get this thing fired up. Daytona week. I know that you're old hat at this. You've been doing this a long time, but does it ever get any less exciting to come down here for this race? I don't think so. Because every time you come to Daytona, this is the only sport that starts with its biggest event of the year. And we're just coming off the Super Bowl on Fox, so we've got a whole lot of momentum and a whole lot of promotion on the Super Bowl leading into Daytona to make it even bigger than ever, let's hope, when the ratings come out. But when you walk into that garage area, there's 40 teams, and I'll bet 30 of them think they can win the Daytona 500. And I'll bet 20 of those think they can win the NASCAR Cup Championship. There is an optimism 
and a sense of excitement after after two months off that you just don't see in any other sport. So no, there's I don't think I've ever been to one when I went in and said, well, you know, just another race. <laughs> Never. I feel like you, you said you've been doing this, you and Fox, for what, 23 years now. Um, that your voice has almost comes, become synonymous with some of the biggest moments in this sport. For you personally, what what is it like to, to be there and be like our eyes and ears, our kind of front row seat to uh, the biggest moments in NASCAR? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a thrill. Uh, it's something that I've been blessed to be able to do for, this is my 44th 500 for either radio or TV. And there's a big responsibility to it. Uh, first of all, it's live TV. There's no edit. There's no pause. Um, but, and, you know, and there's no choke button if you, for, if you forget what you need to say. And I think all through the event, we're building storylines and we're building ideas of who could win. And unless it's just one of these Denny Hamlin beats Martin Truex by thousandths of an inch side-by-side -side finishes, you're trying to think of the story of, of who the winner is going to be coming off turn four, how he got there, how hard he's worked to do this, how many times he's done it, and just make it the biggest moment possible. And try to bake all that together while cars are still going around the track at 200 miles an hour. And instead of one ball in play like most sport, we've got 40 of them. So the story can come from anywhere in the pack, you know, at any moment when things either go really right or really wrong. But it's a privilege, you know, to be able to do that and to be able to, to bring the sport to, to folks at home. And, and about my voice, I've been advised if I ever go to bring a, to rob a bank, bring a note. <laughs> I love that. You talked about the storylines and trying to anticipate, but I mean, how, how do you attest for the fact that any of these cars could win? I mean, there's so many surprises. I mean, last year, Austin Cindric, nobody saw that coming. Michael McDowell a few years ago, Trevor Bain. I mean, a lot of times you don't, you don't see these moments coming. You don't, but they develop through the week. Let's take Trevor Bain, uh, for instance, from Knoxville. He was driving for the Wood Brothers, and at that time, Leonard Wood, their longtime crew chief, had a huge reputation in the garage for being the best at reducing mechanical drag, which is when two parts rub on each other, if they create friction, that slows the car down. He's able to minimize that. So everybody knew that week Trevor Bain had a fast hot rod. Jeff Gordon even drafted with him uh, during the Thursday qualifying race. We knew Bain's car would be fast, but, but would it be in the right position? Would it have somebody to push him, or would he end up behind another car pushing it to victory uh, on that day? So Trevor was not exactly a surprise. I think he was to most of America, but to those of us who had been there all week, he wasn't. So these storylines develop. Austin Sindrick, rookie with Team Penske. We knew he had a great car. We knew he had a great team, but we didn't see him finishing ahead of his teammates, you know, who had much more experience and had had opportunities to win this. Michael McDowell, a very good road racer, very good racer at Daytona and Talladega. And there are a couple of drivers that have, have kind of had that tag on them. Dick Brooks could win at Talladega, wasn't that great at Martinsville or Bristol, but boy, he was, he was good at the, at the fastest tracks. So by 190 laps into the race with 10 to go, you've got a real good idea who the players are. And Richard Petty, who won this race seven times, has long said, the best you can do on any given day is put yourself in a position to win. Circumstances will likely dictate the outcome. 
So, I mean, you've been around this sport for a while, as you said, 44 years, I guess you said uh, 44 yes. total. Um, this being the 75th anniversary of the sport, what moments should fans be aware of? Like what sticks out for you maybe personally as some of the great moments of the sport? All Daytona 500s, I would say 1976, Richard Petty, David Pearson, crash coming off turn four, coming to the flag, and both spin off into the infield, and Pearson keeps his car running, puts the clutch in, keeps his car running, Petty's car stalled. Pearson crawls across through the infield grass to win the race. 1979, the first race televised live on CBS, the first 500, um, Donnie Allison, Cale Yarborough, last lap down the back straightaway, and they both refuse to lose end up stopped in the infield. Richard Petty comes around from turn two and wins the race in front of a huge national TV audience. That put, that put NASCAR on the map. 1998, after 20 years of trying, Dale Earnhardt finally wins the race and then loses his life in 2001 on the last lap of the race uh, when his two cars with Michael Waltrip and Dale Earnhardt Jr. finished first and second. And then we were just talking about the race where Mark Martin came clo so close to winning the 500. Big crash coming out of turn four. Boyer ends up on his lid coming across uh, in probably just the most calamitous finish that the race has ever had. And finally, um, Denny Hamlin beating poor Martin Truex, who's come so close so many times and beats him by the narrowest margin ever. So all those are standouts. I mean, but rarely have we had a bad Daytona 500. Do you have a favorite call? Because I have my—I know what my favorite call is well, for you. Ahead. Let's hear it. You, you, and your team at Fox. Sure. Darlington, Kurt Busch, and and Ricky Craven. For me, that was that that as a broadcaster, especially, was the moment I was like, everything about the way you, <laughs> DW, Larry Mack, all played off each other was was perfect for me. But I wonder—is that one for you, or do you have something else? No, it's it, it's right up there. It's absolutely right up there. That was just a a miraculous moment for the sport. Uh, it's one that NASCAR is going to highlight as part of their 75th anniversary highlights. Uh, they've, they've done a whole show on that race and on that finish. And I've seen some of the clips and Kurt Busch stands there and goes, I never won Darlington. You know, but he came that close. And uh, that was one of the wildest finishes. And, you know, Larry Darrell and I, who worked together in the booth for 15 years at Fox, um, we weren't short of, of opinions or verbiage. <laughs> and to have that all come together without us all talking at once, like on, on some talk shows you see on TV, where everybody's got to talk all the time. And well, listening is an art too. And they would just talk over. So I think that one, and the 98 Earnhardt win is the one that everybody seems to talk about. And they go, you know, where, where did you find all that on the last lap? I said, I, you emote. You know, you have all the facts, you have all the figures. You've been watching the race unfold for three and a half hours. So as that winner comes off turn four, you just convey the emotion of what's happened. And that's what I did. Uh, kind of piggybacking off that a little bit, but you're about to have uh, Kevin Harvick join you in the booth. This is gonna be his last year. Him coming into the sport when he did and having to take over for Earnhardt and that win in Atlanta, not too many guys, I feel like, could could pull that off. I mean, they always say you never want to follow a legend as a coach, right? But right. he did that as a driver. Um, what does that say about Kevin? Well, um, let's go back to the planning for that year. 
Kevin was supposed to run five races that year in the Cup Series. And Atlanta was going to be one of those races. That was going to be his first start. And that was planned way back in January. Um, losing Dale Earnhardt, of course, changed everything in the sport. But Richard Childress had the resolve that we're going to the next race at Rockingham. We're going to Atlanta. We're going on. We're going to change the color. We're going to change the number. You know, we're going to change everything about the car. And since Kevin was already an RCR driver and already slated to run five races, he got the call and he got the assignment. Um, I had a hard time driving to the track at Rockingham that next week and Atlanta the week after. It's, you know, I think everybody questioned, what are we doing? What are we doing here? What are we doing in a sport that can cause the loss of the life of its winningest, most popular, active star? But we all did. And a lot of people said, that's what Dale would have done. And they're right. If it had happened to somebody else, that's where Dale would have been. So I, I think he had to have the presence of mind to take that entire situation. And when he climbed in the car, leave it there on the starting grid. Um, and off turn four on the final lap, you know, held off that challenge and, and scored his first win. And the whole sport just went and breathed at least a partial sigh of relief. And he's had a wonderful career, um, you know, for Richard Childress and now driving for, for Tony Stewart, both of which are mentors to Kevin. And Tony, you know, for a while was his teammate. Um, but when he climbs out of the car for the last time, I'm sure it will be a bittersweet moment because he has become an elder statesman of the sport. He's become one of the leading voices in the garage for improved safety and an improved driver environment and support uh, at the races for the drivers. And that's appropriate. He's certainly earned the right to do that. And when Kevin talks, people listen. And I know he'll carry that We'll carry that into the broadcast booth as well. So as a broadcaster, what are the storylines if maybe people are watching this week for the first time, when, what do they need to be looking for? Well, first of all, uh, did Hendrick Engines continue their domination of qualifying? Did Alex Bowman start, will he start on the front row for the sixth straight year? He's already tied for the record. Six would, six would be an absolute record for the Daytona 500. Um, we know the Hendrick cars will have great power and great speed, uh, but where will the Fords be? Uh, and the leading Ford camp is, is Penske Racing. They have been right at the front of the last several Daytona 500s, and last year got the win with Austin Sindrick. Where will, where will they be? Where will Toyota be? Um, Joe Gibbs Racing with a huge shakeup, um, losing Kyle Busch. 2311 Racing, adding a driver you know, for the 500, so they're gonna be a three-car team with a change there. Tyler Reddick in for, uh, in for Kurt Busch, and, They've got Travis Pastrama. That's bound to be interesting. Jimmy Johnson returns. That's been a couple of years since he's been in a stock car. Seven-time champion, big winner of the 500. You can't count him out. But I think the one, the one big thing that I want to see play out is each manufacturer, Chevy, Ford, and Toyota, had modifications to the front of the car in the offseason, and especially to the hood of the car, the areas where air evacuates out from the engine compartment. Uh, that's supposed to make the airflow more efficient, 
Will it create more drag or less drag? And basically drag slows the car down, aerodynamic drag. You know that you're driving down the highway, you put your hand out the window, about wants to rip your arm off. You know, that's drag. So that's critical to success at Daytona and Talladega is minimizing drag. Now on the dirt at Bristol, not so much. Don't even, don't even worry about it, but it's, but it's big here. Um, I see this race coming down to a pack of 10 to 12 cars, you know, in the last couple of laps. And will there be an overtime as there have been so many times? Probably. Will somebody then win the race by inches? Probably. Will somebody end up spinning around at the finish on their roof or in the fence? Probably. Uh, you just have to turn into Fox on Sunday to find out. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. How, how ready are you for this season? How, how ready are you to get fired up? Yeah, I think um, I'm excited. You know, Daytona is kind of its own animal and a lot of things have to go right. But for the season as a whole, I'm I'm super excited. You know, we, we started out the year really strong at the Clash, which was nice after how bad it went for us last year. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, it go, hopefully Daytona goes well for us. But uh, I think the whole season is going to be a really good time. Um, it seems for you, like, and I correct me if I'm wrong here, that the goal seems to always be consistency for you guys you guys have the speed clearly have the talent can get up there compete can win a championship if the cards fall your way is that the goal really is to work on the consistency throughout the season yeah for sure I think you know we've had the wins over the last couple of years and like you said we've had speed and flashes of brilliance we just need to have the bad days not be so bad and um just be be more consistent than we've been so you know I'm uh I'm doing everything I can on my end, and I know all my guys are too. So hopefully we'll we'll get it dialed in this year. So when you go to Daytona, because um, it's such a different animal. I mean, obviously it's the biggest race of the year, but it's different than you what you do most of the years. What's the mindset? What's the mindset for Daytona? Yeah, I mean it's been survive, but we've been crashed from all angles. I've been crashed at the front of it, the back of it, the middle of it. I've been crashed super early, super late. Uh, I don't think I finished one clean yet. So, um, you know, hopefully we can stay out of trouble, but I think you need to race it aggressively at the same time to know where your car is going to be at the end of the race. So, um, you know, you can't just go right around and, and survive, but, uh, yeah, I mean, our, our cars have always been really fast there. Obviously a lot of front rows, just not a lot of finishes to show for it. So, uh, hopefully we can change that this year. I was going to ask you about that, that streak of front rows that, at Daytona is pre pretty incredible. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I don't have much to do with it. I wish I could <laughs> take credit for it, right? But, um, you know, a lot of really smart people at Hendrick Motorsports, Greg Ives, always came down here super aggressive. So, um, you know, I think it meant a lot to Greg and, and the guys in the shop. That's a sense of pride, right? For the engine shop, the chassis shop, the body shop, everybody that puts their hands on that thing. Um, you know, it's all them when it comes to speedway qualifying. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Hopefully we can keep it going this year. So my final thought today, I'm going to talk about the storylines I think you should be watching here at the Daytona 500. Story number one, I think you need to be watching the Hendrick cars, right? Always fast, always good on pole qualifying day. Haven't won the 500 in a long time. Why is that? I asked the guys, of course, they said, if you knew, if I knew, I'd be rich, I'd be standing in victory lane. So, um... If I knew, they'd be. If I knew, I'd be standing in victory lane. So, really interested to see if they can find the race speed to go with their single car speed that 
clearly Hendrick has. Uh, Bubba Wallace, another line to watch. When I talked to Bubba on Wednesday, he was so confident about this season, about his chances. I don't know that I've seen Bubba in this place before. I think that win at Kansas did more for his confidence than you can even imagine. And also just the way he raced the entire second half of the season. He raced the way I think that Bubba and a lot of people that have backed Bubba have felt like he's been able to race this entire time. I think he's finally found it. So we'll see if that carries over to this season. I like his chances. He's been a runner-up twice. Uh, a little later on when I get to my picks, I'm going to pick him. But I think you really need to be keeping your eye on him. Third thing, who in the back of the pack is going to be a, sh- a shocker, a stunner, right? You're always. It always seems that this race gives a guy that nobody's heard of a chance to either win or finish top five, have their best career finish. I think Corey LaJoy has had his best career finish here. Obviously, Michael McDowell won a few years ago. So the guy that I'm looking for in that category is Todd Gilliland. This guy thought he was all set for the season, thought he was going to have a full season worth of races, and then just last week it got dumped on him that, no, we're going to put Zane Smith in the car for six races. So what did he do? All he did was go up there, run in the front of his duel, darn near won the thing until he got punted at the end of his duel. But the kid's been fast all weekend. He starts, I think, uh, 13th, 14th, somewhere in that range. So... I look for him to do good things, and I mean, he's, his name's Gilliland, right? They're generally pretty good here at Daytona, so he's got a good teacher. He's got a good car. Obviously, Front Row Motorsports can win here at Daytona, so I like Gilliland's chances to at least be the shocker of the day, the underdog, if you will. So, as I alluded to earlier, my pick for the day is Bubba Wallace. I think other cars to watch today, obviously, Jimmy Johnson, uh, fastest in the first practice, two-time winner here. He's a guy that can get it done. Denny Hamlin's also a guy that can get it done at Daytona. So, cannot wait. Return to NASCAR season is here. It's time. I know we had the clash, but because there's a weekend between for the Super Bowl, it kind of feels like a little bit of a false start, to use a football term. Ready, ready to go. Daytona 500. We will see you at the track, hopefully, on the television, or we will see you next week here on The Backstretch. Thank you.